Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline. I'm Siobhan Hunt and joining me in the studio as she does every week is Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. Hi Chris, how are Hi. you? I'm very well. It is our time or your time I should say to perhaps give us a call on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or if you're watching us via Facebook Live, pop your comment underneath the video. You can also email us at conversation at kindling.com.au to ask your questions. This is These next 30 minutes are all about you and your challenges, potential challenges you may have had over the weekend, whether it is settling a baby, uh, getting a toddler not to throw his food on the floor, any kind of thing, uh, Chris will do her best to answer it. I've never heard her stumped. You can try your best. First up, we have a question from Fiona on the line who has a seven-month-old. Hi, Fiona. How are you? Hi, ladies. How are you? We're well. Tell us what's going on. Definitely. So my little seven-month-old is a great sleeper. He sleeps from like 6.30 to 5.30 in the morning, which I think is great. The only problem I seem to have is that that morning sleep, he's only sleeping sort of half an hour and and I'm kind of tossing up between two and three sleeps every day. So it's kind of like a 5.30 wake up. I kind of keep him in bed till about 6. He has his milk, breakfast solids at 7. Yeah. I try and put him to bed about eight eight thirty. Yeah, and then he kind of wakes half an hour later. Okay, does he wake crying or does he wake happy? No, no, wakes happy. He's just kind of playing in his cot, like just you know doing his push ups and yeah. you know, mucking around <laughs> and exercise. trying to crawl that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes wakes up because he's done a number two. Yeah, like, okay, fair enough. I've got to change you. Yeah, um, and then I feed him at ten for his bottle, and then yeah. I find that. Then it gets by 11, bit, yeah. yeah, by 11, 11.30, he's tired again. So I pop him down and kind of do a, a half-hour nap till lunchtime. Yeah. And feed him his solids at 12. Yep. Um, another bottle about one-ish, and then I try and push his sleep. Then he goes back down about two, I reckon, yeah. and then wakes up. Oh, he pro- I can probably get him to do that one for about an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. So he doesn't sleep yeah. a lot in the day. Not a heap, No. So about an hour, an hour and a half and two, another hour. So it gets about two and a half hours sleep in the whole yep. day. Yep. Two and okay. a half, maybe three, yep. Okay. So if he got three consistently, yes. I wouldn't yep. be so concerned, even if it's too short, I mean, th- too short and then a longer one. I'd be mm-hmm. more concerned if it was heading more towards the two because okay. he's awake longer than he is asleep. So his day is 13 hours long and his night is 11 hours long. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, so, you know, if you space two hours over 13 hours, you could end up with a tired little bunny at the end of the day. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I think if, you're, if more often your days are swinging towards two, three-hour sleep, then you're okay because at nine months we only, he only really needs three hours sleep. So you're sort of halfway in this sort of funny little spot where he is. Now, is he tired by 6.30 at night? Yes. So by 6.30, we have a bath or a shower actually, has a shower, and then he's kind of quite relaxed. And then um, I feed him his bottle and then he's almost asleep in my arms. So is that at 6.30 he's going down or at 7 he's going down? Oh, we probably do the bath 
he's probably going down between 6.30 and 7.00. Okay. Maybe about, yeah, anywhere between okay. 6.30 and 7.00. Yep. Yeah, because I was going to say, if he's going down at 6.30 and he's getting up at 5.30, if we can push him to 7.00, it might get him to 6.00. And then I think he can swing into two sleeps much uh, easier across that period because once they get to 6.00 and you keep him up for two and a half hours, that's 8.30 before he's going down. And then, you know, it's much easier, generally speaking, to get the day to swing into two sleeps. So the only other thing, when he wakes up from that first half an hour sleep and Mm -hmm. you let him stay in there because he's just calm and chatting to his feet, at what point do you go in? When he's crying or when he's laid there for long enough? When he's laid there for long enough. I kind of So he hasn't cried? He's just happily rolling around? Yeah. Okay. I probably give him about 15 minutes. Okay. And I think, oh, maybe you've done a... You know, number yeah. two, so I better go in and check. Yeah, and as soon as you open the door, it's all over. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. He's smiling <laughs> and getting up. So all yeah, I would yeah. suggest is if he's quite happy in there, give him a little bit longer because what he might do is he might be just wearing himself out over about 20 minutes. And then when he has a little cry, you might be able to go in and give him a pat and then he joins the other half an hour to the sleep. And then eventually, you know, he combines the two sleeps and he'll sleep for an hour solid. And if he slept for an hour solid, I would be happy because at nine months, they usually only do an hour in the morning. So maybe you're just going in a little bit too early and interrupting. So how do you know he's awake? Because you can hear him talking or because you can see him on a monitor? Yeah, I've got a monitor. Yeah, turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Turn it off because you might be interrupting the process because lots of babies wake up in their sleep, they play for a short period, then they even grumble for a little while and they put themselves back to sleep. So you might be just interrupting that. So I know I know it's very tempting to look, but maybe if you just turn it off and distract yourself, cook, clean, whatever you'd like to do, I need to do yep. he might just <laughs> be able to link those two sleep cycles together. So if he's just in the bedroom down the hallway, you will be able to hear him if he cries. Yeah, but sure. you might be going, you might be watching him he looks like he's having a good time in there. You've convinced yourself he won't go back to sleep. So mm-hmm. inevitably that's what's happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so cool. that's probably the only thing I'd suggest. But he's not, he's not doing too badly if he's getting closer to three hours sleep three hours within sleep. the day. Okay, cool. I'm not sure. Now, in terms of the morning nap, is like how long should I keep him awake for? Like what's the awake time? You're right with the awake time. It's two and a half hours. Then the second window is usually about three, but he's not making that because he has such a short morning sleep. And then the next one's three to three and a half, depending on where they got up in their afternoon sleep. Yeah, okay, cool. Excellent. So that's fine. And so one other quick one. In terms of his milk intake, because he's on three solid solid meals a day um, and four bottles. Yeah, that's right. I'm just not sure how much in terms of a day is is he... Meant to in inverted commas have. Oh, in the bottles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In a twenty-four hour period. So he's breakfast and his lunchtime bottles somewhere around one hundred and eighty. Okay, now, yes. if a baby drinks, you know, forty, fifty mils less of that, don't worry because they've made it up with food. And the sure. evening ones around the two forty mark. And that little ten o'clock one, I start to wean that off. So I start giving him, you know, between sixty and ninety, almost like a drink. And by nine months, oh. it's usually already gone. And what that does is increase their lunch. Right, okay. Yeah, so you sort of decrease in the 10 o'clock to yeah. increase their lunch or their capacity to eat lunch. To have a yeah. l- solid lunch. Okay. Yeah, right. solid lunch, yeah. Excellent. Lovely. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. That's a pleasure. All right, Fiona, good luck with that.
Thank you. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, you're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. You can call, as Fiona just did then, the number's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, or you can pop your comment underneath the video if you're watching us via Facebook Live, and we will do our best to get to it. Um, now we have a comment or a question, I should say, from Ellen. She says, is there a point where I should be transitioning my 15-month-old to one sleep? She normally wakes at 6.30, down for her first snooze at 10, and then down for a second snooze around 2-ish, and then bed at 6.30. She's normally happy to do this, but if she wakes up later in the morning, she fights her afternoon sleep. Uh, Ellen, that does sound like a baby who's looking at transitioning to one sleep, and they usually do that between 14 and 15 months, so that would be right. Um, So... The, the way of finding out whether you need to transition to one sleep is that some of this sleep pattern changes. So she might shorten her day sleeps. She might talk through one sleep and then sleep through the other one. Or she's actually brilliant in the day, but she's waking up earlier in the morning and she's talking. So if you see any of those and she's around this 14, 15 month mark, it's definitely a cue to she's about to transition to one sleep. So usually once you've made that connection and you feel she's ready to do that, then I usually, when they get up in the morning, um, I'm putting them to bed at about 11.30. So I give them lunch at 11 and put them down at 11.30 and hopefully they'll sleep for about two to two and a half hours. Now, in the first week that you do this, if you put them in a car or a pram between 9 and 11, they will fall asleep and then they won't sleep on the other end, which is a little bit of what you've seen. So it does sound like she's trying She's she's trying to get to one sleep. So give her another week, jot down what she's sleeping during the day and how much difficulty she's having. And if it's shortening or she's chatting a lot more, then it might be worth next week going, okay, I'm just going to try one sleep and see how she copes with it. Good luck with that, Ellen. Isn't it so interesting how the car becomes this zone of like messing up sleep patterns? <laughs> You've got to be so careful about when you put when you're that doing you certain things. Yeah, that you don't do that. Actually, that's a good idea. Let's yeah. check. Out. Sorry, you're listening to Kindling Helpline. We've got a question here from someone on the text line. It's anonymous, but um, I will mention if you text us in, maybe um, try and remember to. Con- include your name so that you know that we're addressing your question. But this is from someone with a two-year-old. She says, I'm due with my second at the end of July. Congratulations. That's exciting. We have recently moved into a large house with ducted heating. We turn the heating off at nighttime. My two-year-old's room temperature drops around to around 17 degrees, which is fine with her sleeping bag. However, our room, where the newborn will sleep for a few months, Drops to around 14 to 15 degrees. Oh, my gosh. You won't be wanting to. Oh, and you'll be peeing all the time, too, if you're pregnant. You're getting out in the cold. You'll be feeding for an hour. No, but I mean now. Oh. Now she's probably jumping into the loop. (laughs) Feel for you. Um, I feel that this is like this is way too cold for a newborn. Would you recommend a warmer temperature or another layer or two? I'm conscious of overheating. I think because it depends on your ducted heating, because if your ducted heating, if you turn it on, the whole house has to be warmed up, then it can get a little bit overheated. I would put a little simple heater in your room that you can maybe turn on and regulate the heat just to bring it a little bit warmer, because that would be cold to get up and feed your newborn. And obviously with a newborn, you have to unwrap them, you have to change their nappy, 
you have to feed them, you know, up close to you. So I think you would need to bring that room up a few more degrees, like somewhere around the 19 degrees, and maybe just a simple oil heater with a thermostat on it um, will do the trick so that you don't have to turn your entire system on and overheat the whole house. Also the most expensive electricity bill this summer, this winter. So <laughs> maybe a, just an, a little heater will just take the edge off that temperature and it'll just be enough to get you through those night feeds that you're going to be doing with a newborn. Okay, we've got a, a message from Sally on Facebook. She sent us a direct message. That's another way you can get in touch with us. She says, my 19-month-old has started refusing day sleeps altogether. She's making it through to about 6.30 p.m., no trouble, and sleeps from 6.30 till 7.30 a.m. Is it too soon to drop day sleeps or is it okay? It's very young. It's going to be a long time. So normally children don't give up a day sleep, normally not until about two and a half. Some go to three but definitely over two. And I suspect that what will happen is you'll get a couple of really good days and then you'll get a shocker of a day where they're whinging and they're all over the place. So I personally would at least put them down to be able to rest and to just to decrease some of the stimulation around them because they're very busy little people and they have very busy days. So at 19 months, I'd still try and put it down. Even if you put it down at one and she slept till 2.30 and then got up, or even if she slept for an hour. But I think you'll find that over time, she might be coping okay now, but over time she may feel very sad by the end of the day. And then so, so will you. <laughs> so have a go, even if you call it a rest time, to just give her that window of being able to chill out a little bit. But it is it is young. It's not unheard of, but it is young. But she'd have to be you know, the happiest little camper for me to think, okay, I'm not going to give you a day sleep. So good luck there. And our next question comes from Mark, who has nine-month-old twins. I have twin boys. They're almost nine months. Yeah. We've just moved into a new home and wanting to transition them to their own rooms. What are some helpful tips for transitions to their own room? Um, also, they're having issues in that they seem to wake up around 2.33 a.m. wanting to sleep in our bed. Any tips? Right. Uh, transitioning babies is not really a big deal. Transitioning toddlers is a bigger deal because they're very aware. But babies, pretty much, if you put them in the room and the room's nice and warm, they're okay about it. So I'm assuming that they slept together in the previous house and you're just putting them into their room in their new house. Twins are unique because they have each other as their gauge. So as long as they usually can see each other, they don't really care where they are. So I don't think the transitional part is really, you don't have to get too concerned about that. Just pop their cots up, pop them in a similar position and away you go. I think the other thing is the 2.30 to 3 o'clock wake up. Now, um, they have got into your bed because you've put them into your bed, but it's going to be a little bit difficult to put them back in their cot. But what I do is once you've got settled in, in the new house and they're in the room, when they wake up at 2.30 or 3, I'd give them maybe five minutes to have a little cry and see if they can settle themselves. If that doesn't work, go in and give them a pat and a cuddle and lay them back down again. And the first message you're giving them is that they're not coming into your room. And then the second message you're giving them is, I'm here to help you go to sleep. So uh, 
I think as long as you're giving the consistent message, they will actually settle down and sleep through. On the weekend, I help a couple with 11-month-old twins who were waking up frequently, and in one night, they've been sleeping through. So, you know, I think it's where your headspace is and how much you can cope with. And, you know, all we did was that. We left them for five minutes. We went in, we pat, pat, pat. Oh, they did. I just told them how to do it. They patted, reassured, got out of there, went back in, and they were surprised at how quickly they responded to it. So I think if you have a little bit of a plan of an idea, the actual transition won't be the problem, but getting them through that 2.30, 3 o'clock wake up, where they're going to go back into their bed, give yourself a few days, and I think you'll be surprised on what they can do. All right. Well, let's hope they uh, do as Chris says and it works out well <laughs> yeah, for you, Mark. Right. We'll bring the prepared ones in next week. Pop them up <laughs> the here. pre and not post. Yeah. These uh, are ones we prepared before. <laughs> uh, Mel has uh, an 11-month-old. She's just responding to something she heard you mention, Chris, yep. on the importance of day sleeps. Yeah. Her 11-month-old has only ever catnapped and currently yeah. only has two 45-minute naps. 45-minute naps and has been for the last month or two. He sleeps from 7pm till 6am most nights, so I haven't worried much. Do you see this as an issue? He's a happy little guy and this routine doesn't seem to worry him. But am I affecting his development by running with this? Uh, No, I don't think you're affecting his development unless he becomes really whingy. But that's his way of telling you that he's not getting enough sleep. Mm. But what does typically happen here and what you have to be cautious of is when they're catnappers, sometimes their days, their night sleep goes along really well and then the whole thing falls apart. It's like the, the catnapping catches up with them and they start to exhibit the same behaviours overnight. So I think you have to be aware of what catnapping can do in the long term. And the long term might be he does perfectly well now, but he's a disaster at 12 months. Um, or when he transitions to one sleep, he only does 45 minutes because that's all he knows how to do in the day, which will be hard work. So at the moment, I can sort of see how you keep this just ticking along and that everyone's doing really well. What I'd be cautious of is what may happen in the future. And what I would think about is I would keep the 45-minute sleep in the morning. I think that's perfectly fine and that's really reasonable for an 11-month-old. But in the afternoon, I would at least give him the chance to resettle and I would even give myself half an hour of trying to resettle him just so he can get a little bit more in the afternoon. Um, And, you know, I would actively try and get him to take a little bit more sleep, even if it was an hour and a half in the afternoon, just so in the long term. time in the afternoon if if, um, Mel's worried that... It's the timing too close to his bedtime, or oh uh, well, if he'd done forty-five minutes, usually the timing at eleven months is three hours, three hours, three and a half hours. So yeah, he, awake, yeah, time. awake. Okay. So you, as long as you kept that in place, I think you'd be okay. You'd have enough time to do some resettling in that window. Okay. All right, Mel, hope that helps. Feel free to give us a call, 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, if you'd like further instruction. It's always a good thing, isn't it, Chris, yeah. for you to be able to speak to people Absolutely. and work out what's happening. What works for their family. Yeah. yeah. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. If you're not able to call, though, we um, welcome you to send us an email to conversation at kindling.com.au or if you're watching us via Facebook Live, which we, which we do at midday Eastern Standard Time, you can pop your question underneath the video and we will get to 
as many as we can. Um, and of course, as we just mentioned, if you have the opportunity to call, the number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Um, this was sent to us as a message on our Facebook page. It's from Crystal. She says, how do you know the difference when a four-year-old is just testing the boundaries with tantrums or if there's a bigger issue causing the tantrums and the misbehaving? I think the easiest way that I guide parents in this one, Crystal, is whether they're doing it socially. So lots of kids will act up for their parents, like the complete angels in the social world. They walk in the door and somebody else has walked through the door. And lots of parents will tell you, oh, my child would never eat that at home or my child would, you know, never hit and they get home and they do all of those behaviours. <laughs> so I think when you're sitting there thinking, you know, do we have something more than the normal here? I would start looking in her social world. So if she maybe goes off to preschool two days a week and they're starting to mention to you, oh, you know, we're having a little bit of trouble with this certain behaviour that mimics what you're doing or what you're seeing at home, then I think there's an avenue for a much bigger conversation. But if she's a delight out and at home she, you know, really pushes those boundaries, which is what she should be doing, then I think she's acting absolutely normal. That's great. My children are normal because they yeah. are terrors at home. Yeah. <laughs> they've got to push the boundaries somewhere in a safe environment and they're looking for you to, to give them those love. boundaries. It's all about boundaries, yeah, yeah. and love. And in love. A loving so they and, love us. Yeah, they love you so much they're pushing the boundaries. And we have a phone call, so I'll just get you to pop your headphones yeah. on. Chris, this is uh, Mayanna on the phone. Are you there, Mayanna? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Uh, hello. Now, you have a four-year-old. Do you want to tell us what's happening? That's right, yes. I have a four-year-old and he's absolutely beautiful. I can't really complain. Um, however, he is just the slowest eater ever. Like meals <laughs> will go for hours. Um, and he's a good eater. Like he will try everything, at least he tries. But he gets distracted and he wants to talk. Um, and we have put rules around. So we, oh, we, we don't have any toys at the table. Good. And we only get off from the table once we've finished our meal. And we leave it up to him when he's had yeah, enough to yeah. go. Um, so usually, like he is hungry, he's keen to eat, but is that in between each mouthful he needs to tell a thirty-minute story and <laughs> to play with his little brother? And he's um, very distracted, isn't he? Sounds like my boy. <laughs> so the the one thing I would do is um, I do gentle reminders. So when he's about to launch in today's story, I just say, look, mummy, I'd really like to hear that story, but I need you to eat now. So sometimes just bringing him back to the task that you're asking him to do. Um, sometimes children will do this if the timing of the meal's out. So they're not actually hungry when we sit them down. Um, and then that's a common one on daycare because they get fed fairly frequently at, at, at daycare. So then when the parent goes to give them a meal, they're not really that hungry. So they get distracted. And the other mm -hmm. one is sometimes they're overwhelmed with the amount we give them. So, you know, if it looks like a lot, he might be getting distracted because he's trying to work out how much is on the plate and how much he has to eat. So giving him smaller meals where he thinks he's achieving it is a really good idea. And then you can always put more down. Okay, so the last thing that I can think of is restrict the time because you might be, we might have inadvertently taught him that eating is a leisurely activity. He thinks he's Italian basically in his brain and he's just <laughs> sitting there having a long lunch. So maybe we just have to, you've got the really good 
basis there, like no playing, but he's just having a great time. And I think if we just do gentle reminders through the meal and use that 20-minute, half-hour window, that he might just pick it up and understand that he needs to eat a little bit, a little, just a little bit faster, so it's not taking all day to get the meal into him. So do you think 20 minutes is about... like um, Most children will time? sit for about 20 minutes, half an hour, if, if the whole family's there and they're chatting about a story and they get distracted. But I think if you looked at a whole lot of four-year-olds eating, there'll be a whole lot of parents behind them saying, oh, look, there's still more sausage here to eat. Don't, don't even start me on breakfast, Mayana. my My little boy's four, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I am saying to him the entire time, time. remember to eat... Yeah. You're, you're sitting at the, this is breakfast, your sister's finished, mummy's finished. Yeah. If you don't finish now, we're going to be sometimes, late. Sometimes um, we're actually too kind to them. We just have to go, <laughs> actually, no, we've finished breakfast, got to get to school now. And they go, oh, they haven't even realised that no. half an hour's gone past. They're little dreamers, Mayanna, yeah. I'm not sure about They're your chatter boy. chatterboxes, but... they've got to, you know, tell you about the fluff floating in the air and all those sorts mm. of things. So sometimes they need to be realigned into the activity. If you actually watch them at daycare, that's what the teachers are doing. No, no, we're standing over here. No, no, we're sitting down here. So they need those constant reminders. But give yourself, you know, a reasonable time to, to let him eat and keep him centred on the activity that we're trying to get him to do, you know, and I'm yeah. sure it will, he will mm-hmm. get there in the end, okay? Yes, um, yeah, so usually by the end of the meal, I can't stand the sound of my voice anymore. So yeah, I will stop talking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stop talking. Yeah. yeah, so if you stop talking, he might stop telling you the story, you know, mm. so just tell him a little bit of the story and say, look, mummy wants to hear that after we do dinner. While we're in the bath, he can tell me about, you know, the painting you did or whatever, just to help him along a little bit and get a little bit faster. Not that we don't want to hear him. We just don't need the whole half-hour conversation. So at dinner. <laughs> well, I hope that helps you out, Mayanna. Thank you so Thank much for you. calling. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And we've got time for one more question before we have to go. This is from Amanda. She says, is it okay for my son, who's two in September, to skip breakfast? He doesn't do it every day, but also doesn't seem to complain too much either when Uh, he does. I don't think so. As long as you're offering meals at the regular time, I think they're like everybody. They'll have days where they eat and they don't. The only thing that might be preluding that is if he has a bottle. So as long as he's having no bottles of milk, I think their appetite goes up and down a little bit. And as long as you're offering a reasonable meal at a reasonable time, it's really up to him to decide whether he wants to eat it or not. So I think, you know, if it's occasional and he eats really well for the rest of the day, there's no problem in that at all. All right. Well, um, thank you, everyone, so much for your questions. If we didn't get to your question this week, we will have your answers next Monday. Um, so thank you for writing in. And that's all we have time for today thank on you. Kindling Helpline. Don't forget to subscribe to the Kindling Conversation podcast where you can find all of Chris's advice and much more with all sorts of different types of parenting topic topics. Um, and, Chris, we will see you again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.